Yeah, so ESL is not English as a second language. <laughs> so I have gotten that. ESL stands for Empowered, Secure, and Loved. Welcome back. I am so honored to introduce the guest that I have for you today. We recorded yesterday and it just honestly was so mind-blowing. She's not only highly educated and so eloquent and profound and well-spoken, but she's also um, so empowering for women and, and also men Like, I think you'll really enjoy hearing the material as well. It's all about attachment theory. And I've been teasing that to you guys. And I finally got someone on. And so, yeah, so I can't wait to get into the content. But I do have a few announcements. So just hang on with me for a second. I'll try and be quick. One, I wanted to start off with an apology. Um, So if you listen to episode 13, it's called How to Be Vulnerable Right Now. In the beginning... I did a rant on the protests that are happening right now in the U.S. about the quarantine. So here's my thoughts on this. So one, I want to apologize straight out for the language that I used of saying that people who are doing that are shitty people. And, you know, Jared and I tease about this all the time. If you're new to my podcast, Jared is a sidekick slash co-host that I have on for quite a few of the episodes. But, you know, we tease that we always say, you know, not everybody, not all people, not all men. But I didn't realize how popular this opinion was of the protests. And it does come a little bit more from the conservative side. And if you know me, you've listened to my episodes, you know that I am more liberal. I do speak my mind. And I don't want to, I'm not going to hide that. I'm not going to hide my opinions. But I also preach on loving others and kindness. And so I just didn't, nobody complained, but I just didn't feel good about it. And I realized that I do have a lot of people in my life that I love dearly who may agree with those opinions. So again, I apologize for being so blunt and harsh with my criticism. Obviously, I still believe that we are supposed to be staying home right now to save lives. So I'm not wavering on that, but I also understand the opinion of those who are really suffering. Their businesses are suffering. They don't know how to pay their families. Maybe they haven't gotten the stimulus check. It wasn't that much to begin with. Maybe they're not getting unemployment. So I feel for you, and I want you to know I love you, whether you agree with me or not. And yeah, I just wanted to just kind of make that clear and while I will probably still have some political opinions and rants on this show, I will try and be more loving about how I go about that. Um, By the way, I wanted to give you guys, for those of you who really want to support small businesses, because I'm absolutely team small business, it's I only like I only go to the local coffee shops, I only go to the local restaurants, local boutiques, like I try and support as much as I can. So what you can do right now is um, I just wrote a couple of things down. So try and stop using Grubhub and Postmates. So the problem with those is they take the percentage away from the restaurant that you're actually getting it from, it would be better to go and pick up the food that you order online. Also, contact local boutiques and ask them if they're taking appointments. I contacted one. I went into a vintage store that we have downtown. It was just me and the owner, and I tried on some clothes and made some purchases. So you can do that. Um, I also sent my hairstylist and my esthetician. I sent them deposits for future appointments that I'm going to have with them. So you can do that as well if you have the financial capability to do that. And then obviously, please still wear masks and try and social distance as much as you can, because I know I say this all the time, but it's not about if you think you can make it through 
the virus. It's it's the others. It's the vulnerable. And we have lost so many people and we are going to lose more. And so just try and be considerate as much as you can. Okay, so that's going to lead me into my next thing, which I'm so excited to announce that my Patreon account is live. So if you don't know what a Patreon account is, so basically it's a platform for artists and it's a way that you can go and support them, but they also offer you extra um, content so that you're paying for something that you're you're getting. So for instance, um, if you go to my Patreon account, it's uh, patreon.com slash hello and goodbye. There's three different tiers you can sign up for. So the one tier is just you're just showing your support. You're one of the hive. It's three bucks a month. So you can go do that one. The next tier is 10 bucks a month. I will be posting the longer videos of my interviews. I'll be posting other YouTube videos. It'll be another way for you to connect deeper with me and the podcast. And then the third tier is $20 a month, and I will be uploading at least one bonus episode a month. So plus you get the other stuff as well. You get all of the posts, you get all the videos. And eventually what I'd like to add to those tiers is some merchandise. So you pay maybe you know, $25 a month and you get a hat or maybe you get a t-shirt or a sticker or whatever. So I'm going to try and and keep making ways for you guys to keep connecting with Hello and Goodbye. And if you are able to support, I so appreciate it. If you aren't financially, just listening to the podcast and sharing with your friends and posting stories is such an amazing way to support. And I just, I appreciate all of you. Okay. So then after the main part of the episode, make sure to listen in. I'm bringing my sister back on for another sister segments. And we're going to be talking about Hulu and Prime recommendations, what you guys have recommended. And I'm also doing a review of Too Hot to handle on Netflix, which I have so many thoughts and opinions. So stick around for my review. I'm so excited for that. And then one more thing before we dive in, I just wanted to talk about a partner for the episode. This partner is VFresh. So VFresh is a company that offers natural ways to support vaginal health. So This is a very personal partnership for me. I struggled with vaginal infections and UTIs for a couple years nonstop. And one of the things that really helped me were boric acid suppositories. So one of the products that VFresh offers is called V-Cleanse. It's a pharmaceutical grade pure boric acid. It helps balance the vaginal pH. It reduces and controls yeast and bacterial infections. So highly recommend that. The other one is the V-Tract. So V-Tract helps maintain, flushes, and clears urine impurities while promoting healthy urinary tract function for a long-term wellness. So since I've received these products, I've been taking the V-Tract every day, and I've been feeling better because I talked about on the last episode that I have had a really bad bladder infection in the past and had bladder spasms. And honestly, it's really helped kind of release any tension in there. So you guys can find these products at www.vfresh.com. So V is V-E-E. Use code HELLO2020. So all capitalized HELLO2020 to receive 10% off your order. Again, I'm so excited to be partnering with this company. I can't recommend this product enough. And I love what they're doing for natural ways to promote vaginal health. Okay. With all of that said, I'm so excited to go into this episode, and I hope you guys enjoy. Stick around for the end, and yeah, here we go. All right, you guys, my next guest is a clinical psychologist and a relationship coach, host of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast and creator of ESL Relationship Method. She helps women break the toxic dating cycle, raise their self-worth, and attract the healthy relationships they've always wanted. Please welcome Dr. Morgan Anderson. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to have you. Um, Yeah. So tell us a little bit before we dive in, just tell us a little bit about you. Where do you live currently? What's your age? Are you single? Yeah. So I am currently 
in Montana, which I never thought would happen, but I actually grew up here and I'm on my family's 90 acre farm in all Montana because it's the perfect place to social distance. Right. So that's where I am right now. But I was in San Diego prior and, uh, um, I, I will not be in Montana for the long term. I know that. So I'll probably be heading back to San Diego or I may relocate to Portland. So anyways, that's the, yeah, that is the long answer to where I'm at currently. Okay. Um, so I, uh, got my doctorate in clinical psychology, always knew I wanted to be a psychologist from even probably age seven or eight. Um, and then, Started in college counseling and then moved into private practice. But I was realizing that I felt like something was missing. I would help people get all of the insight and awareness, but not really the how to. Like, what do you do with all the insight and the awareness? Um, So then I ended up moving into coaching. And that's where I started to develop the... ESL relationship method. And I've been coaching women now for the last two years and I love it. It's so much fun. Um, and I really feel like connected to my purpose and, you know, why I'm here on this earth. So that's a little bit about me. I'm also, I love fitness. I also am a certified personal trainer. A lot of people don't know that, but I had a brief career and personal training. And then now I just kind of work out for fun and I'm addicted to athletic wear. I'm an athletic wear connoisseur, self-proclaimed. Which is your favorite? I love Good American and of course, Lululemon. And then also this little brand called Coral with a K. They have really great leggings. Yeah. And then how old are you? So I am... 30. I will be 31 this summer. Wow. Okay. So when did you, you got your doctorate? Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to be a psychologist. So I, I went straight through, I didn't take any breaks. I got my undergrad and went straight through to grad school and immediately went on to become licensed and, and, you know, for me, I feel so lucky because it's been such a passion that the time just flew and I, I knew I always wanted to do it. So, yes, I am a young doctor. People are always surprised. That's amazing. Thank you. I want to. Oh, wait, are you single? So I don't talk about that. Just <laughs> given the nature of what I do, I try to keep my dating life a little bit separate from my work. Okay. I totally understand that. My, my podcast is quite different in that I tell my yeah. uh, listeners. And I'll talk about past experiences, which I'm happy to open up about, but just of my course. current situation, just out of respect for, Absolutely. you know, I just don't talk about it. So I'll be Absolutely. mysterious. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I want to get into your ESL relationship method and kind of how you work with women to help them move on from toxic relationships. But the what I wanted to talk with you about, and I've been dying to get a guest on my episode to talk about this, is attachment theory. Yes. So we so I have a sidekick that comes on for a lot of my episodes. His name is Jared. And he also is, well, he has a counseling master's and then a doctorate in education, I think. But we we talk about attachment theory constantly because I think it's such a key part of dating and recognizing what attachment style the person you're dating has, Mm -hmm. what attachment style you're drawn to, what attachment style you have, Mm -hmm. and ultimately how to kind of improve as a person and get away from the negative associations with the different attachment styles. So if you wouldn't mind maybe just breaking it down for my listeners of what is attachment style or what is attachment theory and what are the different styles? Yes. And, you know, 
this can be its whole own episode. So I'll give you kind of the short and sweet version and know that there's a lot more where this comes from. Um, of course. But the way I like to think about it is attachment theory helps us understand our relationship template. And what is a template? A template is something that we use to help us understand how, how we do something. Um, it's the, it's the pattern. It's the way we approach something. You can, you can think of it as a blueprint. Attachment theory really helps us understand where did that blueprint come from and what's kind of not working for me in this blueprint anymore. And the thing about understanding our attachment style is that we have to know a lot of it forms unconsciously and before age seven. So, Mm. yeah. So unless you are intentional and you're listening to a podcast like this, or you're going to therapy or you're getting a coach, unless you're being intentional, you'll have a hard time being able to change your attachment style. Uh, but, but let me back up. So what, what is attachment theory? It started in the 1950s with John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. Maybe if you took psych 101, you might even remember. Do you remember <laughs> the, the <No>. monkeys? <laughs> so they were using little baby monkeys um, and they were separating the monkeys from their mothers and they were seeing the, the reactions. And what they found is that uh, monkeys, the babies, if they were separated from the mom, even over food, they would prefer to have a terry cloth because that was something that reminded them of their mother. So even if they're mm. starving, the monkeys will prefer a terry cloth because it's that mother, it's that security. So that was mm. the beginnings. And then, of course, with a lot of research and, and a lot more modern research as well, we've broken down an understanding of the different styles of attachment. What is a style? A style is a pattern, the way that you attach to your caregiver or in a romantic relationship, the way that you would attach to your partner, the behaviors, what, what do you do when you're upset? How do you express love? Right? Like all of that can be um, described by your attachment style. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what are the, so there's three attachment styles, three main ones, but then there's also a fourth. Is that okay? Well, tell me what the okay. main ones are. <laughs> so, so we'll just go, we'll do all four. So we have secure attachment and secure attachment mm-hmm. is what all of us want. And you likely have this attachment style. If your caregiver was reliable consistent and available to you as a child, right? They offered you a safe container for whatever emotions or any distress that came up. And you're pretty confident in relationships. You can set boundaries. You can express your needs. You enjoy relationships. You enjoy being able to be close to someone. Intimacy feels easy and natural to you. We all want that. Okay. So, so that's secure, right? Then we have anxious attachment style, and this is about 25% of the U.S. population. And this likely happened if there was a lot of chaos or unavailability of your caregiver. So it was not always predictable that you would get the support that you needed. And sometimes you would and sometimes you wouldn't. So it starts to develop this pattern of behavior where this is where you have the stereotype of the girl that sends 47 text messages or, you know, she's showing up at the boyfriend's house or the other way around, right? Like a guy that's doing that. This is someone who needs a lot of reassurance. They need Mm -hmm. to know where they stand in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah. So I'll, I'll, I could say a whole lot more. I have a lot more on that, but I'll leave it at that. I know. Okay. And then we have avoidant. So avoidant attachment. Avoidant attachment likely developed if your parental figure, one of two things, either 
they were very, very absent, not available, or they were what we'd call like a helicopter parent and they were overly there and too much in your space. Hmm. And the avoidantly attached person when dating really feels as if they can't express their emotions um, because they don't see the point of it. They, they don't think that their partner cares or would want to care. And they pride themselves on their independence. Mm-hmm. And they're likely to maybe if you, you know, if you have an interaction, you might even think that they have narcissism, but it's really not that. It's just that they learned that they can only depend on themselves. Mm. And, and when there is some intimacy, it's actually quite scary for them. And they'll often pull away. Mm-hmm. So what's the, the percentage of population? So that one is 20 to 25%. Okay. Yeah. And then the fourth type is called disorganized. And, and this is about 5% of daters. Mm-hmm. So pretty small. Um, but this is where you have both anxious and avoidant tendencies that show up at the same time. So mm-hmm. one, you know, in one instant in the relationship, you might feel very anxious, but then you might feel very avoidant in the next hour, you know? So this one can feel very frustrating to the person experiencing it because they have no idea what's wrong with them or like, why, why does my approach keep changing? Um, and also frustrating to the partner who can make no sense of, of what they're doing. And it's just someone who got really creative and learned both. They learned both ways of trying to get their needs met. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting, like the um, majority of the population is secure. Yeah. And I should say, I should have said this. Here's here's what I want to say too. So yeah, I get that question a lot. Um, We all have traits of all of these attachment styles. You can think of it as being on a spectrum. So there are folks who are secure maybe 65% of the time, but then the other 35% it's anxious. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's this book that I really love. That's kind of like gold standard of attachment theory. It's called attached uh, Mm -hmm. by Amir Levine. Have you read it? I have. And I, I love it. you love it. Great. I love it too. But my one criticism is that it kind of really puts people in categories pretty strongly. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. what we really know is that it's more on a spectrum and we, we all have traits of all of these styles. It's just, which one are you showing up with the most? Does that make Do sense? Do you think that? Yes, absolutely. And do you think that it also depends on what person you're with. Like for instance, I've had, I, I'm a little worried I'm in the disorganized category Mm -hmm. because of my upbringing. And then I went through a divorce and there was a lot of trauma there. And so when I go to date someone, my initial, well, when I really, really like the person, I'm super anxious. Mm. When I'm not sure about the person, Mm -hmm. I'm very avoidant. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that common? Like, does it change with person to person or? Yeah, it's very, it's very common that it's going to change based on your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If, and it depends on the person. So if you're feeling a lot of anxiety, right, it's likely that that person has some avoidant attachment tendencies. Mm-hmm. Because Mm -hmm. what we know is that, gosh, the brain is smart. So if the template that I have, the blueprint that I have, is that people are unavailable to me, I have to really work to get the reassurance. Um, People could leave me at any time. That's the blueprint I have. I will unconsciously seek out the people who confirm that. And then when Mm. I find them, my brain's going to get a lot of anxious attachment you know, that's, that's being triggered. Mm. So, so much of it's unconscious. So you're just, maybe you're just really good at, you know, finding those people. And then it it brings up that anxious style. Yeah. I definitely 
am very drawn to avoidant men. And so what I've found, and I'm going to share a story with you and I'm curious of your thoughts on it, but what I've found is I'm just not attracted to secure men. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to work through because mm-hmm. I, I, my dad is avoidant. My ex-husband was avoidant. My ex-boyfriend was avoidant. Mm-hmm. And all of the kind of relationships that I'm used to that feel like home, that it's like, that's where it's almost like I don't deserve to be loved the way that I deserve to be loved, but that's, and what I've been working towards and I am in therapy and I am working really hard at this. And, and what I've been trying to do is when I start dating someone mm-hmm. and I start to feel that anxiousness, I voice my need for reassurance in a very calm way. So what I'll say is I'll just be like, Hey, listen, I just, um, I just need a little bit of, of reassurance. Where are you at? How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And the men that pull away from that, then I know, okay, this is not, I shouldn't pursue that. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Like I know I'm growing, Mm -hmm. but I just, I need to reset what I'm attracted to Mm. because I just, I, I, so how do I do that? (laughs) I love this. And I love that you're doing this work. It's, you know, it's so powerful attraction is so psychological more than we realize. Yeah. So how, how do you do that? Well, you're, you're on the right track with, you have a lot of awareness and realizing those earlier patterns, even with your dad, ex-husband, ex-boyfriend, right? Like you have the awareness of those patterns. That's where you want to start. Mm-hmm. And then from there, this is like why I created what I created, because I started to realize that women can have all the awareness, but then what do I do with it? How do I actually embody security instead of just knowing what it is? Um, Mm -hmm. One of the very first things, if I was working with you, is I would take an inventory of the beliefs that you have about yourself. Mm. And the beliefs that you have about relationships. Mm. And we would start really unpacking those and trying to rewire your belief system. Because ultimately, Mm. that's probably unconsciously really, you know, getting in the way of you Mm -hmm. being attracted to and choosing a different partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I have a lot of, I asked my listeners you know, if they had questions for you and the majority were, can you change your natural attachment style, which kind of goes along with this, right? If you do the work, if you do the work, ultimately that, that you can, right? Yeah. And it's interesting. Earlier research would always point to no, like you're pretty stuck where you are, but what we know through more research you can always move towards security. Mm-hmm. And how do I know this? I have done it myself. I all through my 20s, I was horribly anxious. If you know, if anyone else thinks they're anxious, I guarantee you I was more anxious. I did all the anxious things that that you could. Um, mm-hmm. And it caused me a lot of pain. But I've been able to move to a secure attachment style. I will say this, it's really important. No matter how secure you become, there may still be times where that anxious attachment shows up. So Mm -hmm. where it's triggered, but then you're so much more aware of it and you can handle it so much better and make the choice to show up as secure, even if you are feeling that anxious attachment trigger. And that's more something that you have to choose within yourself and find the tools to be able to do that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So do you have, well, okay, hold on. What does a, so what does it look like to be a secure person within a relationship? Yeah. So I, I love this question and I actually get it a lot, right? Because when you don't have a model for it, which so many of us didn't grow up with the model, you actually just don't know 
what it looks like. So I think mm-hmm. it's a great question. There's a few things that, that come to mind off the top of my head. One is you are able to maintain boundaries. So mm-hmm. you are able to do the things that you need to do for you in terms of your self-care, maintaining your relationships. For for my anxious folks, that's a big one, right? Being able to be in a relationship and maintain your identity and not drop everything. Mm. Yeah, there's that. And then certainly being able to confidently express your emotions, your needs, your wants, and Mm -hmm. not feeling that guilt or not feeling the fear and really knowing that you have the right to do that and feeling the awareness that if your partner tried to invalidate you, put you down or, you know, had any negative reaction that you can actually leave that relationship or set whatever boundaries you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love it. Right. Yeah. That's a huge one. Yeah. If you think about assertive communication, assertive communication is this, it's my needs matter and my partner's needs matter. How can I communicate my needs and honor my partner's needs? And how, how mm. can we come to a compromise? It's not like, oh, only my needs matter and yours don't. But it's that mm. awareness of both of ours do. And I have just as much of the right to express mine as I do to hear what yours are. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you're comfortable with intimacy. You're comfortable with gradual, consistent, reciprocal vulnerability, gradual, consistent, reciprocal vulnerability that leads to intimacy that feels secure. Hmm. My anxious folks, when they're first in a relationship, they kind of want to get deep really quick because they're not sure how long that person's going to be around. So they want to go to deep levels of being vulnerable. ASAP. (laughs) I can so relate to that. (laughs) Right? But but when we're showing up securely, we're doing that gradually. We're doing Mm. it when it's reciprocal and it's happening over time. Mm. Yeah. What and then what would like avoidant um like would that be like they don't want any depth? Really yeah. Avoidant. Yeah. Right. Right. Avoidant, you know, and this is an exaggeration, but just to, you know, paint the picture, you know, you're six months in and you want to have a conversation about where is this relationship going? And the avoidant person is gone, right? They're like, that's too much. <laughs> they don't want to define the relationship talk or maybe avoidant is like, oh man, we were on our 10th date. And she wanted to tell me about her family, you know, and they're like, they're, they're running out the door. So avoidance, the opposite, their, their strategy is, I don't want to get close to this person. So how can I just kind of maintain just enough closeness so that they don't leave, but then Mm -hmm. I don't feel scared. I don't feel vulnerable. Mm Mm-hmm. So why is it that anxious and avoidant are so drawn to each other? Yeah, they both fit the template that each other have for relationships. Mm. It's, it's a magnetic pull. The, the anxious person, you know, has that deep wish that they would be in a relationship with an avoidant and they would be able to have them stay, make them stay. And somehow Mm -hmm. that could make up for all of the other times that they had felt abandonment. So, so there's that magnetic pull to it. Um, And then the avoidant person, the anxious person fits the template that they had for love. And, and they think that, okay, if I could somehow, make this relationship work. Maybe it would make up for all those times that I didn't get my needs met growing up. So there's these deep unconscious beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I feel really bad for avoidance. <laughs> it's just a different strategy. And you know, I, one of the things I want to, and I didn't say this, but I want to make sure that we know that there's nothing wrong, whatever type you are, right? Like what, whatever style, this was a strategy that you learned because guess what? As a kid, this was the strategy that worked for you. It's what you had mm. to do. So mm. you learned it, but then you realize, okay, as an adult, this way of attaching in relationships is no longer serving me. So mm-hmm. how can I kind of forgive myself for it and let it go? But being so careful mm-hmm. to never judge yourself for this. This was a learned strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's so important because I, you know, the the anxious style is so often made fun of for being clingy and needy. And, you know, a lot of the guys that I have dated who have mostly been avoidant, Mm -hmm. um, they, I always get the same thing. You're too much. You're too needy. Mm -hmm. Um, you're requiring too much of me. And it's like, it makes me, so then deep down what I feel, I'm telling that to myself, I'm too much. I'm too much. Mm-hmm. So then you're right. That made so much sense. So I keep trying to find this avoidant person mm-hmm. to maybe prove to myself that mm-hmm. I'm not too much, that I can be okay. I can not be too needy, but then I, I mm-hmm. fall back because that avoidant makes me so insecure. Yeah. Um, so can I share a recent story with you and kind of get your opinion on it and then we'll yeah. move into your, your method. Sounds great. Okay. So I'm very, um, I put myself out there a lot. Good. I'm very confident. I don't mind giving my number out. I don't mind being the one to start the conversation. I have always been very outgoing. So I was at a bar and I saw this really cute guy from across the way. And I, of course, I'm friends with the bartender and I'm sitting there by myself and I'm just chit-chatting with him. And I said, this guy's really cute. And he keeps like looking my way. He keeps glassing my way. And I'll make this kind of short because I, I told my listeners this story, um, I believe in episode eight, you guys, if you want to go back and, and get more details. But essentially, I gave him my card and he contacted me. And he was visiting Redlands from out of town, Mm -hmm. but he didn't live super far away. And we decided we wanted to meet up to get a drink. He said he was single and I was single. And so we were going to meet up to get a drink. So I met up. I wasn't super nervous because I obviously knew I was really attracted to him. And we had one of the best dates of my life. Like it started off it was, we start met at seven. We started with drinks. We were laughing right away. It's like, we got each other. Mm -hmm. Then we moved to this place and then moved to that place. And we were, you know, hanging out till 1am and cuddling and we didn't kiss until later. And I didn't stay the night. There was like good boundaries there. And then the next morning we met up, had breakfast, and then he went on his way. Mm -hmm. And we had talked about seeing each other again. And I was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I met the person. Like this is Mm -hmm. the first time I felt this deep connection so Mm -hmm. so quickly. And, and as we were sitting at breakfast, I started to get that anxiousness. And so I just said, Hey, listen, can you just let me know, like, am I going to be hearing from you text wise? Like, what is that going to look like? And he immediately, his reaction was very avoidant. And he was like, why are you asking me that? And so then that made me be like, oh, shoot. Okay, I'm already going into this anxiousness. Mm. I need to give him space and I'll back off. So then he's texting me saying he's missing me, missing my lips, all this stuff. Gets to Denver. This guy lived in Denver. And basically that night was like, Hey, I think we're moving too fast. I don't think you should come here. I still want to get to know you. Maybe we could just talk on the phone. Well, then I'm super hurt because it was a complete 180 from Mm -hmm. what was just told to me. And, and I knew like, it's like deep down, you said subconsciously, we all know this. So subconsciously I knew he was avoidant Mm -hmm. and I knew I was going to get hurt from this Mm -hmm. if I continue. And so I pulled back and then he came back 
And then I got anxious again. And then he ran away like as fast as he could. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking in the span of three days. Mm. It took me three weeks to get past this. Mm -hmm. And I was so mad at myself like that I was so heartbroken. I mean, not heartbroken as I was in love, but heartbroken as in like, I had been so excited. It had been such a long time. I thought he was really into me. He gave me all this assurance and then took it away from me. And I couldn't get past that. And so anyway, I'm just curious of your thoughts of this, of why it took me so long to get past it, knowing that he wasn't the right person for me, that his reaction wasn't fair, that I could have set more boundaries for myself by slowing it down, mm-hmm. you know, because the ancient side of me, I want to go fast. Like I'm ready to like dive in. Mm-hmm. So anyway, wonder, wonder your thoughts on that. Okay, girl, you ready for this? <laughs> you no. asked for it. <laughs> Okay. So there's this theory. It's called repetition compulsion. It's actually brought to you by Freud himself. So it's been around for a long time. But the idea is that we are repeating over and over again, the same patterns in relationships, because it's what's familiar. It's what's comfortable. And when we're doing that, though, we're subconsciously hoping for a different result and hoping that if we have that different result, that it will make up for everything that we experienced before. So when you went through this and you had that connection and and you felt that, Oh my gosh, there's this, you know, intimacy and, and this guy is great. Maybe he could be the one. And, you know, you're feeling that real pull, And then there's the abandonment that happens. That's not your, your three week reaction was not just about that relationship. It's about all the other times in your life when it happened. Mm. So it, Mm. it brings up the pain of all of those past experiences along with what had just happened. So I would guess Mm. that's why it probably took so long. Yeah, no. And that makes sense. I know. And I know you're right. And it's, and that's what I'm working through with my therapist is, is trying to uh, move past the abandonment. And, and I had been, what was, what was frustrating is I had been getting better about when little, I call them pseudo relationships um, end. I had been getting better about just moving on and being like, okay, that wasn't for me. And for reason this was such you're right it was such a it was an abandonment that went really deep yeah yeah so and well good good sorry for go you ahead. no I think it's so good that you're doing this work and that you're you know showing up and learning how to move through it and a lot of times well every time if we're going to heal from something we have to allow ourselves to feel what's coming up So honoring Mm -hmm. that three weeks and not judging yourself and acknowledging, I need to feel some of this. It's okay. I have to feel it in order to be able to let it go. Hmm. Oh, I love that. That's going to make me cry. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) So now I kind of want to, so because we had talked about the the anxious and avoidant, how they're kind of drawn together and usually, and correct me if I'm wrong, but usually that ends up in kind of a toxic relationship and toxic cycle because it's not super healthy, correct? I love that question. I really do. I do a lot of couples therapy as well. Um, and here's what I know. It's all on a spectrum. If it, it likely will end up in a toxic dynamic if you have someone who's very anxious and someone who's very avoidant. Hmm. However, if you have two people who have one person has an anxious tendency, the other person has avoidant tendencies, but they are so committed to the relationship that they're willing to move together to security, then that can go well. Is it a mm. little bit more work? Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, but it's possible that that you can get to a place of security. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your your ESL relationship method. What does it stand for? 
How did you come up with it? Yeah, so ESL is not English as a second language. (laughs) (laughs) So I have gotten that. ESL stands for empowered, secure, and loved because for me, that was how I wanted to feel in a relationship. And then when I started, you know, polling other women and asking them what they wanted, it was very similar. So anyways, those three words represent how we want to feel in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it came from working with people in psychotherapy, seeing them get to a place of awareness but then not having the tools and the how to and kind of like when the rubber meets the road, like, okay, I know what's happening, but what do I actually do? Mm. So that's, that's where it came from. And really my, myself as well throughout my twenties had horrible dating experiences, very low self-worth. I was in a, abusive relationship for a period of time. And I got to the place where I knew I could not keep doing what I was doing in relationships. Mm. So, you know, this method now is the accumulation of so much research, my own experiences, my clients experiences. And it's essentially everything that you need to go from either anxious or avoidant and to get you to that place of security. Oh, I love that so much. So can you give us a little bit of, if you feel comfortable of how you work with women within your program, and maybe you kind of gave me an idea of the tools you would do with me of how do I define myself within, what are the words, what am I telling myself? What are there, are you able to explain anything else that you do? Totally. I'd love to. Yeah. There's four main pillars of this method. And the first one is really this deep dive and understanding into your patterns and cycles that you've had in your relationships up until this point. So that's like, okay, we get real deep there. We do relationship inventory, unpack all of the past and hopefully there's also some healing in that process. And then Mm. two, the second pillar is what I was telling you about where we get to restructure your belief system. Look at the beliefs about yourself, the beliefs you have about relationships, where they came from. And then we give you the beliefs that you need to be successful in dating. And then the Mm. third pillar is of course, attachment theory. And I do a deep dive and look at how you're showing up in your relationships. What does it, an an exercise that I have people do, which maybe your listeners would like this, what does it look like for you to be secure and getting you so clear on what that looks like? And the the exercise is just write it out. Do, Do a free write. Who is that secure version of you? How does she act? How does she feel? Um, And get really clear on that. Okay. And then the fourth one, the fourth pillar, and notice this is last, right? We get Mm -hmm. to dating mindset and all the tools that you need to be successful in dating right now. So that comes after everything else. Of course. yeah. Yeah. So how would this be different from maybe a session with your therapist or is this a therapy session? So it is different. So I, I am a psychotherapist. I'm licensed in California and I can tell you it's coaching is different because it's not about just understanding and coping skills, but it's okay. You are at a, you want to get to B and then it's me telling you what you need to do. As a therapist, Mm. one of the things that we learn in our clinical training is we're not supposed to give advice. As a coach, Mm. it's, hey, I'm going to give you tough love and I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. Mm. So that's that's the difference. And I'm not working Mm. with any mental health disorders as a coach. I'm just focused Mm. on, you know, of course, it'll come up and we'll talk about it. um, But my main focus is getting you to that place where your relationships are healthy and secure. Can you... 
I think maybe just to kind of wrap this up, um, do you have any tips for what women can do? So you said that you often have your clients write down things that help them feel secure. Do you have some piece of advice of what that may look like in terms of like, for me, something that would come to mind would be um, something that would make me feel secure. Well, are you looking, okay, hold on. Are you looking at it from a, what your partner is doing for you or what you're doing for yourself? Um, so, and I, I know I kind of threw that in there as I was explaining things. So let me take a moment and I'll explain it better. <laughs> of course. No, okay. no problem. So, so the exercise is who is the secure version of you? What does she look like? And not physically, right? But how does she feel? What are her behaviors? So as an example, you would write out, um, Morgan, you know, and then I would put down, I am able to confidently express my needs and emotions in relationships. I set Mm. boundaries easily and I feel good doing so. I accept love and I give love easily. You know, you would just go on and write I am statements that that represent that secure Mm. version of yourself. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Everyone should do it and then read it every morning. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Well, I want to have you plug all of your things and send my listeners your way. But do you have any final thoughts just to kind of like on this overall topic? Yeah, well, I love this interview. I can talk about this stuff all day long. Um, So have me back whenever. Um, I will say this, that knowing that you can always get to a place of security, a place of feeling loved, no matter how hard your dating history has been, no matter how difficult your childhood was, you can always move towards security and you are deserving of doing that work. So I hope that no matter where you're at in your journey to love, um, that you do prioritize it and know that you're, you're worthy of it. Oh, <laughs> that's so special. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah. Um, Hey, well, where can my, where can my listeners find you? So Instagram is my favorite platform. Come say hello to me. I love to get a DM. I'd love to meet you. Tell me you heard this episode. Um, and it's at Dr. Morgan coaching. So Dr. Morgan coaching. Um, also I have my own podcast. Let's get vulnerable. Check that out. Apple podcasts. Um, and then I want to share with them. I I had just told you before I interview, but um, I am going to be doing a totally free live webinar May 16th, and I believe it's at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, But if you go to the link in my bio on Instagram, you can sign up for that webinar. And it's going to be all about how do you date successfully while in quarantine, Wow. Yeah. And I'm, that's, you don't want to miss that. Webinar. It's going to be really good. It's value packed. Bumble is sponsoring it and it's just going to be so much fun. I love live webinars. I honestly love them because I get to really connect with people. So show up because I want you there and I want to hear what your questions are. Cause this is, this yeah. is a time where a lot of people have questions about how to date. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then if you, if my listeners want to be coached by you, do they just DM you on Instagram? Yeah. So I will be only accepting clients until June 1st. That's when my next program starts. The next program of the ESL method starts on June 1st and it goes for eight weeks. So you have until June 1st. Um, and you can DM me. That's great. I'll send you the application. Or if you click the link in my bio on Instagram, there'll be a link that says apply here. Um, but if you're ready to get off the dating roller coaster and attract a secure, healthy relationship, I'd love to have you. I should do it. You (laughs) You should. Then you could document it. It's a lot of fun. 
Dr. Morgan, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. I so appreciate your words of wisdom and I loved your breakdown of attachment theory and I love what you're doing for women and just empowerment that you're bringing. So thank you so much. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited for you as you're continuing on your own path. And thanks for being vulnerable and sharing it with everyone. I really love that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, um, we will talk soon. And I'm sure, I mean, I'd love to have you back on. Right. So. I love it. Thank okay. you. All right. Thank you, Dr. Morgan. Again, um, just such a pleasure having you on. And you guys remember to go check her out on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching. So I am going to transition us into uh, sister segments now. My sister is back on. Yay! <laughs> By popular demand. I did a poll on Instagram and you guys love her. So she's back. Um, so this segment is called Sister Segments, Sisters Showcasing Shows. <laughs> so we did a segment about uh, our Netflix recommendations, which she actually ended up talking about a Hulu recommendation. So now we want to just kind of wrap that up with Hulu and Prime recommendations, not only from us, but from you guys as well. However... I want to start first with my thoughts and review of the show Too Hot to Handle, which is on Netflix. Oh, okay, so I so I have a lot of thoughts about this. So first of all, if you haven't watched it, I, there's probably going to be some spoilers. So just kind of like move forward. So I thought when I started watching the show, I thought this was just going to be a show about like hot people trying to resist sleeping with each other all summer long. And it was going to just be this drama filled thing. Okay, so not saying that wasn't that, but um, it was actually it was very surprising. So I actually loved the premise of the show, because it was trying to bring out a, an emotional, um, intimate side of these people and trying to help them realize that their ways were not getting them anywhere within themselves and that they were actually needed to like, needed to become better people. And so basically, it took it took these these 10 people and there were a couple of people that came on, who are supposedly like some of the hottest people in the world, they were pretty hot. And they're all very promiscuous. So they sleep around a lot. And they're very sexual and blah, 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 blah. And they have obviously are not in relationships and have a hard time. They don't want to settle down. They like casual sex. And so they put them on this island and they are allowed to do whatever they want with each other for the first 24 hours. And then after that, then they are hit with the surprise that they're not allowed to kiss, sleep with each other, do anything like that. Or this pot of $100,000 will start to diminish. So every time they kiss, $3,000 is away, taken away. If they have sex, then this certain amount is taken away. So you see these people at first fighting the system and then realizing that like there's workshops where they they figure out like words that have been said against them that were really hurtful. And this guy talks about how he realized that he's using women to create validation in himself because he has such low self worth. And it's like, people start crying. And it, it's so it actually it's so crazy. It actually created an emotional response in me. And I was like crying watching these people who are really just broken inside and were using sex and validation from other people because they felt these insecurities about themselves. And there was actually like a couple couples that came out of it in love and like really like into each other on a higher emotional level versus just sex. So anyway, um, I really recommend it. <laughs> wow. That's it's so interesting because um, I was talking with, uh, my husband, we keep seeing it, and we're like, this show. Okay. <laughs> like, well, he did the way that it looks. We're like, uh, it does. I mean, so I think it's it's actually cool to hear um, a little bit more in depth analysis yeah. about what it is and the way that they portray it. It's like totally. Oh my gosh. And trust me, there are moments. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're you know, these people are parading around in their little 
bikinis and the guys with their shirts off and there's definitely some sexual tension and sexual scenes or whatever but the whole idea is that this this <laughs> like almost like so she's called lana but she's like an alexa she's like in the middle and it's like they'll be sitting around she goes we are gathering right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing a horrible job, but she's like, the rules have been breached. And then she like tells them or whatever. So anyway, I don't know if you can put up with kind of the super superficiality and the narcissism of it. You actually get not everybody, but you actually get to see a lot of these people really grow and change. And it's really beautiful to watch. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay, so I asked you guys what you recommended on Hulu and Prime. So um, you guys said on Hulu, Too Cute. I don't know what that is. I think they said that. something about like a reference to an animal. So maybe that's an animal show. Okay. Scrubs, which I hear constantly. I've never gotten into Scrubs. I never, I'm, I've, got, I've watched it off and on. So I've never had any kind of consistent. Yeah. Um, understanding of the storyline or anything yeah well i mean I, I mean it looks funny i just you know those comedy shows that's like seasons after seasons after it seems overwhelming to like get started with it yeah okay and then the one that was like by far the most recommended was little fires everywhere totally recommend that one okay so i haven't I seen it how many one. episodes oh that's a good question i think maybe eight or nine okay so it's not it, it, you could sit down and binge watch it in a couple days yeah, they're they're long episodes and they're very heavy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're it's heavy content in a good way. I mean, it's it's absolutely yeah. I've heard nothing but good yeah. things about it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So then, Prime. Wait, I didn't get a lot of recommendations from Prime, but one was The Expanse, and then so I I haven't heard of that. Heard but of then that. the other one that I recommend, if you have not seen this show you have to see Fleabag and Definitely. I know I know <laughs> we've already mentioned on the podcast but like it is probably one of my all-time favorite shows ever created it's so clever it's so good it actually reminds me a little bit of of the premise of like she's kind of like this not the greatest person mm -hmm. and you see her grow you see her character grow so mm -hmm. the first few episodes are a little hard to watch they're a little <laughs> depressing but like if you can get past the the depressing nature of it it's really oh my gosh like I would I would can't wait to be in a relationship with someone who hasn't seen it so I can sit there and watch it with you so actually if you want to date me <laughs> don't watch it <laughs> Oh, you've already seen Fleabag? Sorry. We can't yeah, sorry, we can't date. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be on my prerequis yeah. prerequisites on my first dates. Okay. Um, okay, so that's it for recommendations. But I wanted to ask my sister, the queen of binge watching and sharing her show showcases. Yes. So since I accidentally shared a Hulu recommendation last time... <laughs> I will share um, a Netflix slash Hulu <laughs> recommendation this oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, is Good Girls, which I started watching on Netflix. And then now I'm watching on Hulu because Hulu is showing the more recent right. episodes. Right. Um, Good Girls is like the girl version of Breaking Bad. Oh. It is so good. I'm totally hooked. Okay, so I I've it. only watched a few episodes with you because I, when I was living with you, I would come in and out, and then mm -hmm. I would get hooked on the episode, and I'd be mm -hmm. like, "What's happening?" Yeah. But um, okay, yeah, maybe I'll need to like start from the beginning. And yeah, you gotta start from the beginning. It is also one of those ones that's very long and involved, yeah. and you have to. How many seasons now? Uh, I think I'm uh, see uh, three or four. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Three or four seasons. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. But, you know, I mean, we've got the time. <laughs> we have lots of time. <laughs> okay, so Good Girls, and then anything else? Um, You're going to go home and watch Too Hot to Handle. You're going to start that. I probably will see if I can try to convince my husband to watch that with me. <laughs> you, you may want to just watch it, you. <laughs> I don't think I would want my partner to watch it with me. The girls are way too good looking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we probably would both feel a little awkward, embarrassed. <laughs> but um, let's see. I mean, I I watch shows that I can't 
watch on TV because I don't have TV. I watch yeah. Songland. I watch sure. The Voice. So yeah. those aren't really like well, that's Hulu shows. Yeah. And that's the other good thing about Hulu is like if you are watching a show and it's on TV and you don't pay for cable, which I don't know why anybody pays for cable nowadays because you I. can get everything <laughs> on these twelve ninety nine subscriptions every yeah. month. Um, but yeah, then you can just watch TV shows. I know Modern Family. I love Modern Family. Their last season. Oh, yeah. Uh, their series finale was was this one. Um, I really like Grownish. Oh which yeah, is a spinoff of um, Blackish. Blackish. Yeah, it's the daughter going to college. Yeah, it's a really clever show. Lots of um, it's for a younger audience, but the topics are are good and like the, the characters are fun and it's fun to watch them grow in college, <laughs> develop. Grownish. Like, it's yeah, it's it's similar to seeing. To kind of the theme that we've been talking about. Is it similar? Oh, sorry, go ahead. It's fun to watch people change, go through life challenges and grow and become uh, stronger. Yeah, but I feel like grown-ish can also be applied to millennials. (laughs) We're (laughs) grown-ish. That's true. Right, right. (laughs) Are we really adults? I don't know. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Krista, for coming on for another sister segment. And I want to thank you guys for listening in and please just continue to share the podcast with your friends, share on Instagram, DM me, let me know you like the podcast, post on your stories. And then of course, follow me on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast at underscore Leanna Joan. You can find me Twitter at hello underscore by underscore pod, the Facebook group HNG Hive, and I will see you guys next week. Bye.